Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Man, God bless the bleacher people. You guys are awesome. <laughs> uh, we are, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we're going to try and get more chairs. We've got about as much chairs as we can get out. We'll try and get a few more out there so that less people have to be in the bleachers. We also have a balcony. And part of us doesn't want to pull out chairs just to be able to be like, we needed to use the balcony. <laughs> so glad you're here. Today... What I want to talk about, though, is we're going to continue our series in Colossians. Colossians is a book written to a a group of believers from a guy in prison, Paul. Paul's the apostle, which means leader, like father in the church in the New Testament. And, And this guy, Epaphras... He basically starts having problems with this church in Colossae. They start being, you know, arguing over, can we bring Greek mysticism into the church? Can we adopt, you know, circumcision and Old Testament laws into the church? And he's dealing with all that, and so much so that he makes a trip to Rome to visit Paul in prison and say, you've got to help me out. You've got to help me because these, this church is getting off and I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to steer them. And that's where Paul's coming from in this letter to this church in Colossae or Colossae. And, and he writes this church to Colossians. And this next section today is going to be talking about the things we need to stay with. The things we need to stay on and not move on. And so that's kind of what we're centered around today. So a few years ago, when we left our when we left a church that we'd been at for a lot of years in Madison, Wisconsin, we felt God called us back to this region where I grew up. My wife had never lived here long term, but I grew up in the south suburbs, south side, south side pride. Anybody? Yeah, come on. Parades and food, that's what we do. <laughs> and we root for the socks, by the way. Okay. Move north. All right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't. You, you can, but keep coming to church here. So, all right. So, so, the, uh, so I always had a burden for this region for a long time. God brought us back here. But the thing is, at that time, I didn't know I was going to plant a church. It was kind of in like the, the back shelves somewhere of I might do that someday. But we moved to work at a church and, and we were, we'd kind of left the last church with like strained relationships and just tough times and, and we had experienced uh, some major loss um, with, uh, with somebody passing on, uh, uh, our son passing on, one of our sons and, and, and just, we're just in a tough place and the heavens were like brass, like God's not speaking, we're not hearing him. But the, one of the things you know if you, if you grow in the Lord is if you don't know what to do next, you do the last thing God told you to do. And that's what, that's what we do. Whatever God told me to do last, that's what I'm going to keep doing. And so the last thing he told me to do was, uh, was a ministry I'd been doing with college-agers. And I moved to a church to try and help them do that. And, and uh, so I stayed in what God told us to do. We stayed doing that. 
And it went terrible. <laughs> we were there three months, and we got noticed that you're going to be done in three more months. And our response was, thank you, because this is terrible. <laughs> it's a long story, but it just it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. It wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Um, communications were lost. And, but God was in it, even though it felt like a disaster, God was in it. It felt like hurt. It felt like pain. It felt like mistakes. It felt like lies. It felt God was in it. And from that, uh, we got offered from another church, which then from there, we kind of fell backwards into, here's how you plant a church in Illinois with the Assemblies of God, and we're like, this is it, this is where God's led us to, this is, this is the reason we're here. But we wouldn't have got there without staying in the last thing God told us to do. That staying power, Right? Even right now, COVID, there's a lot of churches that are closing. We've talked about that. We said, do you know one in four church members who left church will never return, right, as of right now? One in four is what they're, what they're saying or projecting. Maybe somewhere like one in five churches will close and never reopen. And, and I'm, not, I'm not arguing over what churches should have done with all their methods. That's, that's between them and the Lord and their board. Okay, but what it is, what I would say is the staying power of the church is staying in what God's called you to do. One of the things God's, why does the church exist? To proclaim the gospel. To raise people in the gospel, tell people about it, and get the church to then do the same. Right? It's not a building, it's a people. Okay, obviously here, right? So, so that staying power of the church, churches that stay are churches that stay in what they're supposed to stay in. Churches that remain, I'm telling you, the churches that closed, now don't get me wrong, God is sovereign, and there are times churches have a life, and then, and then that life comes to an end, and God does something new. I get that. I, I understand that. But I'm telling you, churches that stayed are staying in what they're supposed to stay in. And one of the things they're supposed to stay in that we're all supposed to stay in is the gospel. If we go to our scripture today, Colossians chapter 1 going into verse, into chapter 2, starting at verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Another word for the good news is the gospel. We'll talk about that in a minute. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. So I'm going to stop right there. He's prefacing what he's about to unpack but uh, throughout the whole book. But right there he says, don't drift away from the good news. What is the good news? What is the gospel? Okay, here's the gospel. We are sinners. We are separated from God. We, need a, we can't reach God. Every other world religion system in the entire world that's ever existed is all about how man can ascend to God, somehow work his way up to him. Christianity is the only one where God says, you can't get to me, but I will come to you. And God becomes a man, lives a sinless life. Sin is the breaking of God's law, or, or another way of saying it is breaking against God's character of who he is and separating ourselves from him. And then Jesus then steps into humanity and says, I'm going to be the perfect sinless sacrifice to win you back to myself. And he lives that life 
and then for those that receive it who say, yes, God, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, I receive the forgiveness of your blood on the cross and the power of your resurrection into my life, and he takes us from dead spiritually to alive. And then that promise is ultimately fulfilled when we pass away or Jesus comes back for us. I'm hoping he comes back before I die. <laughs> um, may not be his plan, it'd just be nicer than dying, right? <laughs> okay, so, so here's a moment though, he says, don't drift away. He's seeing a church that's a good church, that's young, awesome, excited, but they're starting to drift. Good arguments are now coming in that are kind of pushing them away from the gospel, from this part. A lot of Christians over time want something more. They want new revelation, new words. They want to find this new thing. They don't want to dive deeper into what Jesus did for us and what that means. They want to find new stuff. That's like saying, I'm married, but I want the new model. Right? That happens. Don't point. Okay? The, the, the person who's like, I, I'm going to trade you in for something better. I was supposed to be happier. We do the same thing with God all the time, especially Christians, especially people in the church. We find new ways to, to, to get away from this because we're like, well, well, that's basic. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about basic. Basic isn't bad, right? Two plus two is four is good when you build a house. If you're like, I got new math, it doesn't work like the old math, and then you find out it actually doesn't work, you're not building my house, Right? Because I might find myself in a condo building in Miami, right? Who was raised on, you know, core curriculum, and then all of a sudden the building goes down, right? That's what happens. Like, oh, whatever. <laughs> take them in and take some coffee. All right. Find, like, oh, you went to public school? I don't want him to build my house. Like, that's what I went to public school. Relax. And you don't want me to build your house. Okay? Right? Basic isn't bad. There are certain things that we've got to stay with and stay on. We can always go up from there, but we shouldn't go out from there. We stay on the gospel. There's a lot of churches that, like in our, in our stream, the charismatic, the Pentecostal, whatever, they start making it all about the gifts, all about, like, let's see this happen, let's see that happen. That's awesome, but it should all be for the cause of Jesus Christ. If people are getting healed but nobody gets saved, you're doing it wrong. Now, does God heal us when we're saved for the sake of just blessing us? Absolutely. Does God provide for us and do miraculous things for us? Absolutely. But ultimately, he does all of it for the sake of seeing people come to know him. Because somebody gets healed, but they don't know Jesus, which happened. To t there were ten lepers Jesus healed. How many came back? Yell it out if you know your Bible. One. One guy came back. Do you think the other nine got it wrong? Yeah, they got it wrong. And yet, and yet, did Jesus heal them? Right? So they were healed, but only temporarily. Their soul wasn't saved. They missed it. One in ten in that, those are bad stats, right? By, by all our day's numbers now, we'd be like, you know, Jesus, you really should take a class on church growth. Because <laughs> uh, apparently, Jesus, you didn't relate to them enough. 
You really screwed up, Jesus. Now, Jesus knew what he was doing. We say no to God. And we do have that option. And if you're Calvinist, we love you and we're so glad you're here. Okay. But we have this tendency to drift over a lot of different things. Right? How many people know somebody who drifted because of something to do with a mask? Or somebody who drifted because of something to do with, um, you, you should have read that, this, this version of the Bible and not that version. Or, or you drift because uh, they don't dress up enough. Or, or they dress up too much. Right? We don't have that problem here. We ask that you're not naked. We appreciate it. <laughs> you don't want to see that from me. Okay. We want people to get saved. Which, I mean, there would be a lot of repentance. But, all right, moving on. Let's stay focused. Stay with me. All right. A few years, in the last 10, 15 years, one of the things that I believe the church got a little off on, it, it started with the right idea, and then it drifted, was the idea of a social gospel. It started in the church. So, really famous book, I have a picture of it, The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns. Anybody read that book? Anybody ever see that book? Am I the only one? Okay, good. Don't read it. But, uh, but it's kind of a famous book written by the head of World Vision, which is a nonprofit around the world. They do, they do a lot of missions and, and type work, but they, they did a lot of good. And that, that book, The Hole in Our Gospel, though, the premise of the book was we stopped doing acts of justice, but we still proclaim the gospel. And what I would argue is the premise is wrong. The gospel does both. The gospel says, here's a cup of cold water, but let me tell you about living water. Or the other way, let me tell you about living water, but here's a cup of cold water. We do both. It's not either or. And the premise of that and the whole movement, right, Radical by David Platt, which is a great book, okay? The whole on our gospel makes some great points. And others, right, numerous others. It even birthed out, unintentionally, it birthed out this whole idea called the emerging church, which demerged really fast, but it existed for a while. Guys like Brian McLaren, Rob Bell, and numerous others. But what happened is the idea that the church had gotten some things wrong, the problem is we are just like any, we are people of the pendulum. We swing so hard when we address things. And we just throw the baby out with the bathwater all the time. They threw out the gospel for the sake of Jesus, which doesn't work, because Jesus is the gospel. <laughs> Say, well, we're going to do act of justice, and we're not going to preach at him. Then you're not doing any justice, because it's not justice to see somebody live a longer life and an eternity in hell. There's no justice in that. That's cruel. It's, it's a trick. Stay with the gospel. Now look, it's not up to us if somebody comes to Jesus. If you come to Jesus today, give your heart and life to him, awesome. It's not because of me. It's not because of Thrive. It's because Jesus drew, drew you to his heart and you finally said, yes, God, come in. But if we don't tell you about him, but we're like, here's coffee, here's air conditioning, here's a cool cup, come back. We've done a lot of nice things, but we've not done the best thing. If we provide a goat for a community in India that needs it, but we don't send the word of Jesus with it, what are we doing? Stay with the gospel. I'm all for providing clean water for places that don't have it in the world, and we should be doing it. That's what people of the gospel do. 
But that message should come with, and we do want you to know Jesus. This water's free, so is salvation. You can have the water without salvation, but this will make you thirsty for more. This will make you never thirsty again. Not literally, spiritually. That's a long story. Okay, moving on. But staying on that, stay with the gospel. And he's telling this church that. Stay with this. Stop drifting. Stop getting pulled into every other thing. And now, it's so easy to drift now. Based on what political thought you have on any given moment, what you think on an issue, we drift. We start moving away from Jesus. So much, right? That's what we talked about last week. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the message of Jesus. Stay with this. Okay? If you're like, well, I'm, I'm really getting into um, the spirit of, you know, Jezebel and talking. Like, uh, I'm not saying that's not a thing. We talk about that. But it's about Jesus. It is about Jesus saves. Right now I'm reading a book on, on, on some of the demonic and things that happen. Uh, I talked with Scott last night, wherever, wherever he is. But uh, there you are. Um, and, and we're talking, you know, was it seven years ago, right? It was just seven years ago. There's a family in Gary, Indiana that experienced this horrible uh, demonic thing that happened in their home. And the boy, and this is documented, government document. A nurse, police officers, etc. they put it on paper into government documents saying, I watched this happen. I watched this young boy walk up a wall and flip over. And you know what? It's disturbing. It's unsettling, and we should know about the demonic. But at the end of the day, it's about Jesus and the gospel. People start chasing demons. No, chase Jesus. Demons will come along. They're annoying. We rebuke them. We stand against them, and we move on. But they're not what we're chasing. We're chasing Jesus, and he's pursuing us. We stay with this message, right? If you go on to verse 2, 4, and 5, it says, I'm telling you so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Though I'm far away with you, my heart's with you, and I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Here, did you hear that? Well-crafted arguments. The devil is not good at lying because he just does it a lot. He's, he's good at lying because he's done it since the beginning of time. The Bible calls him the father of lies, that there is no good in him. Tricks to move you away from a Christ-centered, biblical faith, and church for that matter, are exactly that. It is a well-crafted argument. Chase, where's Chase? Just throw your hand up, Chase. Chase, there in the back. So Chase works on on some TV shows, and he works on sets. I won't say which one. I don't want to put you in a weird spot. But but he works, and those sets look amazing. But if I walked around the back of that set, does it still look like that? No, it's fake, right? Would you ever want to live in the things you built? No, because you would die, right? Because they're not meant to be lived in. They're meant to be looked at on a TV. It looks great, but it's not real. It's not livable. That's the enemy. It's a well-crafted argument. We have to watch our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. We can be. This, this whole argument is the, is the premise that we can drift away from what we're supposed to be living and believing. We've got to watch ourselves. Not like, I know who that applies to. Gary. He is drifting. No, no, no. Watch our own faith. And yeah, we watch out for each other, but we stay with the gospel. We will be tempted to drift. 
man, I read Rob Bell's early stuff and watched the videos. I'm like, this is pretty good. And then he kept talking. And I was like, what? And he put out a book. Was it Sex God? That is literally the name of the book. And I was like, that, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> that seems off. That was the second book. And I had friends, friends who love God, and, and they're still in the church, and they, they, they kind of see it now. But at that time, they're like, well, there's a lot of good. He draws a lot of intimacy. So I was like, this is weird. This is not okay. This is a drift. And then years later, he came out with another book, basically Love Wins, not connected to the LGBTQ movement, okay? Uh, but, but basically the idea that hell doesn't exist because I said so, and I think I knew a Greek word. No, it does. He's wrong. He left the gospel, and he's doing it in the name of Jesus. There's a whole chapter in Matthew 7 and into Matthew 8 where Jesus basically says, there will be many who stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this in your name? I did this in your name. I did this in your name. And he will say, I never knew you. That's, that, I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing to hear. I don't want to hear that. I want to know him and that he knows me. I want to hear from him. I want to stay with your word. And so, are there times we get bored with the same and the basic? Yes, you could say it, yeah. Well, I don't want to move on from that. Until we see God moving it again, and then we're like, man, this is the best, right? Anytime we have a baptism Sunday, we're going to have another one on our, on our anniversary, September 12th. If you want to get baptized, man, we would love to do it. We're going to baptize you right here in City Hall, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But those moments, you remember why you stay with the gospel. Those are the moments you're like, oh yeah, Jesus, it's, he changes lives. And he's still changing mine. So stay with the gospel, okay? He goes on, right, he goes on in verse 25. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming this entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing with his glory. Right there. Here's, here's basically what he's saying. He, he argues, like, I've, I've taken a lot of beatings. I've been appointed as an apostle. Paul was a guy who went around hunting Christians and then turned into a guy making Christians. How does that happen? Something drastically happened in his life, right? And then eventually he gets appointed as church leadership, as an apostle. And he starts planting churches all over Asia. Something happens in his life, but he, even he at times, like, he was super educated, okay? Now we'd be like, well, they have three degrees, just let them do whatever they want. Paul didn't do that. He came underneath authority. Authority is a word. It's like a four-letter word now, right? We're all like, I don't like authority. Authority's bad. Authority shames me. I don't like being shamed. There's some good shame. There really is. You'd say, no, no, there's not. No, there's some that, le that leads us to repentance, that leads us to say, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me. That's good. That's not bad. Then there's bad shame that just brings condemnation. That's bad. 
Authority is the ability to know the difference between the two, and that comes from godly authority in our lives. And he's giving us, in this moment, he's kind of giving his resume, saying, hey, I've been placed in authority. I need you to listen to me. Now, none of us like it when somebody does that, right? When they're, when they're like title dropping. Do you know who I am? <laughs> because I am a big deal, <laughs> right? I'm important, and you need to listen to me. We don't like that, but there are times, okay? Very rarely, but here and there, i got to be like, look, I'm the pastor, and, and this is what I need you to do. It's rare when I say that. I hate saying that. Okay, there's been times in our home where I've been like, look, just as the dad, this is, this is what we're going to do. I don't like doing that. And anybody who really likes doing that, like, have you seen my card? Here's my card. Know who I am. Those people, yeah, they're not in authority. They may have it, but they're not in it. You know what I mean? Paul's not a guy just who has authority. He's in authority. There are people, right, the mall security guard, you know, on the Segway with the bike helmet. They have authority. They're not in it, right? Does anybody want to listen to that guy? If you are that guy, we love you. We're so glad you're here. But, right, that's just, it's just, we don't, want to, we don't want to hear it, you know, because we're like, this is kind of ridiculous. But a cop with a gun who walks up in a badge, then we're like, I'm going to listen to this guy, right? And if you don't, bad things might happen. Paul is a guy in authority, but not only that, he lays out, I have suffered for you. That's a huge difference between staying with authority. God has set up spiritual authority. That's the first thing. You've got to settle that in your heart. You really do. If you want to follow Christ, you've just got to settle. God set up authority. It's not a man-made thing. Yeah, there are people who shouldn't be in authority, and you've got to trust God to take care of that. And There's times we address all the nuances. Yes, 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 yes. But God set up authority. Somebody's like, well, I go to a house church. Who's your pastor? You know, we don't really do pastors. We just feel like, and I'd say, yeah, you don't really do church because you've rejected authority. God sets stuff up. Well, we don't really have any kind of leadership council because we don't really, we just let the spirit do it. No, what, what you're letting somebody do in that situation, whoever the strongest personality is in the room is now leading the room. Because God still set up authority, right? You ever been on that site where you're all volunteers and then one person just seems to take over? Yeah, yeah because authority is, is in the DNA of who we are because it's in the DNA of who God is. We're supposed to stay with authority, just healthy authority. And healthy authority, in this case, Paul has suffered. In one of the other books, it says he's been caned, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been left for dead, all for the sake of the gospel. Stay with authority that has stayed with the gospel. And then, maybe even more so, has suffered at some point. Anybody who's in any authority for any amount of time, if they're doing it well, will suffer for it. You will pay at some point. One friend of mine said to me years ago, he said, leadership is the amount of pain you can take. Are you with people in your life, like, do you look up to somebody who's been through something? Or you're like, man, they just get revelation. They're amazing. Great. Who are they, who's their covering? Who are they submitted to? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's a problem. <laughs> okay? I'm submitted right now. We're, we're underneath the assemblies of God. We have a leadership council in the church. I'm married. Okay? Just all the way around, I have to submit to a lot of people, and I have to answer to the church. 
right? That's good. That's healthy. It's godly. We keep each other accountable. It's one of the reasons we're grateful even to live in a country that has more than one political party. You know what you have if you have one political party? Dictatorship. (laughs) You don't have politics anymore. You just have people in control. It's nice to have that. Doesn't mean we live up to it all the time. Doesn't mean we do it perfectly. Doesn't mean we're not broken. But that's a good idea. But godly authority suffers. And we need to get used to, if you want to follow Jesus, you need to get used to the idea of suffering. If somebody says, give your life to Jesus, he makes everything better, I would say, that's kind of (laughs) true. But it doesn't mean everything else is going to be better. Does he save you? Yes. Does he forgive you? Yes. He brings you peace. He brings you wholeness. He, He does all that. But it doesn't mean all the stuff out here is going to get easier. If anything, you've now put a target on your back for the devil, and he's going to be after you. But it's okay because God is going to be with you. You'll be all right. God will hold you. But it doesn't always get easier. You know what happened when I started really following Jesus in middle school? A lot of bad things. I got beat up. I got kicked around. I got mocked at, laughed at. It stunk. But I also got the presence of God, the peace of God, the forgiveness of God, the power of God. One of those guys I knew, I think I've shared the story before, but one of those guys I knew, we called him Chewy. He started coming to my youth group years later. He had picked on me, made fun of me. Chewy, years later, is at youth group at an altar call, bawling his eyes out. I put my arm around him and he started saying, Brian, I was wrong. I was wrong and you were right the whole time. He's now in ministry and has a business of his own in, in, in northwest Indiana. God got a hold of his life. And, and what felt like getting beat up, mocked at, etc. for the sake, but staying just with the authority of Scripture, with the authority of God, God used it eventually. God got a hold of somebody. Stay with godly authority. Stay with people who are willing to pay for what it takes to follow Jesus. Those people are worth being alongside. Dr. Hill at Bible College once said, I don't trust anybody who doesn't walk with a limp. He meant that metaphorically, right? Do you want to go into battle with a Navy SEAL or the guy that just came out of boot camp? Right? Yeah, if somebody's got to get you out of a country in 20 minutes, you've got to get to the embassy. You know what? I don't, I don't want to be with a guy who's, who's the, who just got out of basic Barely knows how to fire his gun. I want to go to the guy who's battle-worn. Now, here's the thing. The guy who's battle-worn, he's, he's sometimes not as nice. You ever met a Navy SEAL who's just like, how are you? <laughs> that's super. Do you want tea? Like, that's, a, I, that's just not how we picture it. doesn't mean there aren't Navy SEALs like that. There's, I'm sure there are. But as a rule, right? And, and, and in that situation, I don't want somebody who's nice. I want somebody who's, who's prepared. Who knows what it needs to be in and under authority. Paul got that. Paul submitted to authority. He didn't have to when it came to what he knew. You do the same. We do the same. Submit when you don't like it. Here's a, here's a crazy thing you may never have heard. Okay, and I know this sounds self-serving, and it is. But, but here's the thing. 
It is not submission when you do something you agree with. It's submission when you carry it out when you don't. Now, we all fall short in that at times. I have many times. But then there's other times, like, that wouldn't be my idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I've learned that more and more as I grew up. I'm going to stay with the gospel. I'm going to stay with godly authority because it's healthy. And here's the thing. Does God ever not bless humility? There are seasons and times where we have to stand up and say, hey, I disagree, and I'm going to go another direction. But just so you know, especially if you're a believer, you should be able to count those times on one hand, not all fingers and toes. It should be the exception, not the norm. Well, God's called me to be the person who calls it out. You know what's interesting? That, that person's always self-appointed. Have you ever noticed that? I've been called to call them out. Like, by who? Who, who appointed you there? There are people who appointed me to this position. It wasn't just me. It wasn't like, hey, everybody, I'm doing a thing. Come over here and look at me. <laughs> like, that's not how this started. <laughs> right? We're appointed to certain things. Paul was appointed as an apostle, and others. God sets up authority, and we, we come underneath that in a healthy way. Don't get me wrong. I still had to step out away from some things, away from some authority to step into this one, but I still submitted to others. Do you see what I'm saying? Are you with me? You follow me? If not, wait against Scripture. I'm not Jesus. Okay, so number three. All right, so God set up authority. God wants you with authority. Who's earned ministry in your life? That's a good question. Just who's earned ministry in life, and how easily do they lose it? That might be your issue with authority and not theirs. I've found over the years, there's people who I thought, they have no right to be in the ministry. And then time, enough time went by, and I was like, and neither do I. Because we're all broken. God uses broken people and puts them in authority all the time. Anybody here ever meet a police officer you didn't like? Don't point. Okay? But yeah, we have, oh, come on. Nobody's gotten a ticket you think you didn't deserve. Now put your hands up. Yeah, okay. Well, now we're getting closer, right? There's been a few, right? I did not. I was, there was no way. I, I was 12 miles under the speed limit, not 22 over, right? That's, that's, we all get there. But yet, we have to submit to it. We have to honor and say, all right, I'm with it. God set that up. The last thing, we'll keep reading, verse 28, 29. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God's given us. We want, them to present, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Here's, here's the way I would sum that up. Stay with the word. Stay with the Bible. Stay, say, saying stay with Jesus and stay with the Bible is the same statement because Jesus is the living word. The Bible tells us that. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I, I said it this way. Jesus is a big fan of the Bible because he's the living embodiment of it. I had a discussion with somebody recently. They were like, well, Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't say that, so it, it doesn't really matter what the Bible says. It's just a matter of what Jesus says. Okay, and where are you getting Jesus' words from? The Bible. 
Right, so if you upend the authority of that, why are, how do you know the authority of Jesus? What's the difference? We stay with the word. We stay grounded. That's our tether. We stay with a, I, I'm going to stay in a biblical church. We, we, we did that a few years ago because some people were saying, well, are you, are you this and are you that? And, and do, you, do you believe this? And we said, look, we believe the Bible. We believe what Christian orthodoxy has held to for the last 2,000 years. Things like the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, we believe God designed a man and a woman to be together. Does that mean you've got to change to come here? Nobody changes to come here. I don't change to come. Jesus changes. That's it. He saves lives. He changes us. He molds us. He changes our minds. God is good. We're, we're not. But with him, we are. I, we stay with the Bible because here's the thing. Has anybody noticed, just, just in the last year, has anybody heard the phrase, follow the science? Anybody heard that phrase in the last year? Yeah? Has anybody who heard that phrase seen any of the science change in the last year? Anybody? You guys are all lying to me now. <laughs> like, it's changed. And part of it is because, it's not because we've all been lied to every time. Sometimes it's just stuff they didn't know. Right? We didn't know that, then we learned it. We used to think the earth was flat, and if you drive far enough, you're going to go off the edge of it. It is not flat, and nobody's fallen off. We've taken a lot of flights around the world at this point. <laughs> nobody's fallen off. Nobody's found the end, okay? But the thing that has never changed is God's Word. And it still holds true. Matter of fact, I would argue nothing holds up humanity better, a life more together, than following God's word. Nothing than knowing and applying it to our lives. Man, I, I, I heard somebody say to me this last week, and they meant well. I'm not, I'm not trying to diss them, but they were like, well, the Bible says in the Old Testament to stone people. And I, you know, and I tried to respond and kind of said, yeah, but that's... That's a, that's a limited understanding. You've got to understand the whole narrative of the Bible. You can't take parts of it, right? You have to know the whole thing. If you see part of a movie, but you don't see the whole thing. I remember the first time I watched The Matrix, and a woman flew up in the air in like the crane pose, and then froze, and the camera went around her. And I looked at my brother and I said, what am I watching? He said, J you just got to wait. <laughs> just wait. And as the story unfolded, I was like, oh, I get it. Now it makes sense. But when I saw that portion of the story, I thought this may be the dumbest movie I've ever seen. And by the end, I was like, that was a fascinating story. It's even an interesting biblical reflection of what it is to follow Jesus or not. That's not what they intended, but the story of God's written on man's heart. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so the same thing's true with the Bible. You'd say they stoned people in the Old Testament. That's part of Jesus created a new covenant. He finished the story. We're no longer under the law. We're free of it. God didn't want us under that. We put ourselves under that. God isn't cruel. We are. But he's so good that he says, but I'm going to save you from all of this. That's the story of God. It's not the story of humanity. It's the story of God. This isn't our story. That's really good news. You know what? I used to think I want to change the world. 
Now I think I want to watch God change the world and I just want to be a part of it. I want to see God move. I don't care about what I do. I want to see you do it. But that's knowing what the Word says and being grounded in it. If somebody's like, well, God, the Holy Spirit told me to leave my wife and marry seven wives. And I would be like, that's not what the Bible says. So whatever you think the Holy Spirit said, he didn't say it. Because he doesn't contradict himself. Do we believe in the prophetic and that the Holy Spirit still speaks today and to us individually? A hundred percent we do. But it'll always align with God's word. It'll never contradict it. And that's, that's the best part. We can stay with his word. We find comfort there. I remember years ago when, I, when, I, when, when we lost Seth. And I remember that scripture, that verse that says, He is near to the broken heart. And he saves those crushed in spirit. I remember standing on that saying, that's a promise from God. He's near to me right now. Even if I don't see him, if I don't feel him, he's right here. And he is holding me together. He's good. When nothing else is good, God is. When I put, posted this earlier this week. When everything's out of control, God isn't. God is good. This life sometimes is and sometimes it isn't. But he consistently is. And let me tell you, I heard this early, a few weeks ago, and, and I, I want to pass it on to you because it spoke so much to me. You, listen to me, if you get nothing else out of today, you and I need to settle in our hearts once and for all that God is good and he loves you. And you work out all the rest of your faith from there. God is good and he loves you. And you work everything out from there wrestle with whys. You're going to wrestle with what comes your way. You're going to wrestle with, I don't like this or that, or they teach this. I don't understand that in the Bible. I don't, I don't like this guy. His shirt is annoying to me. Whatever it is, fine, but settle in your heart. God is good, and he loves me. Jesus loves me. Answer your questions from that vantage point. Not the vantage point that says, what did you do? No, what's he already done? He sent his son. He paid everything for me. He loves me. That's my starting point. Work your questions out from that. Work your wrestling out from that. Stay with the gospel. Stay with godly authority. Stay with his word. And as you do, you'll realize how far you've actually went. You really will. God will change your life. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.